This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. Today's Awesome Human is Gary Reed. Gary was part of the SeaWorld water ski team. He went on to be a member of the Australian water ski team in 1994. If that isn't a major achievement of its own, Gary took his passion for performance and founded Showtime FMX freestyle motocross team. Showtime currently supplies Movie World on the Gold Coast with their feature stunt show, Hollywood Stunt Driver 2, which performs two to three times a day, 363 days a year. Wow. He has previously done a podcast called 46 Death-Defying Stunts with Gary Reed," Or maybe he hasn't. He's just shaking his head. I saw <laughs> this. This is what they prepared for me. We may have a bit of background noise today because the bloke's cleaning the building, but uh, I think we should be pretty good. Let's talk some death-defying stunts with Gary. He's shaking his head, though, so I reckon this intro may be a little bit incorrect. How are you, mate? Good, good. Thanks for having me. That's, um, that's exciting. <laughs> I like off-the-cuff stuff, as I said. So, um, Mate, death-defying stunts. So the, that's the, not you. That's that's not me. That's I love not it. The, you um, need to look it up. 46 death-defying like stunts with Gary Reed. I probably have done some, but I never documented <laughs> it. But um, And, yeah, and I didn't work at SeaWorld for 24 years. I worked there 24 years ago, and now we're back there. So okay, but that's all right. We'll Gary was part of the SeaWorld water ski team 24 years ago. I read uh, yeah. that wrong. Yeah. There you go. We might yeah. redo the intro, but that's all. No, good. that's fine. <laughs> that's that's all good. That's what so it's like about. 24 years goes quick, doesn't it? It does. It does. It shows my age. <laughs> I um, you know, with our show there now, there's um, I think three quarters of the team weren't even born when I was performing there. So oh, some of it. my staff. So it's pretty exciting to be. So back you're there. at at um, SeaWorld as well. What are yeah, you doing Movie down World there? and SeaWorld. So we got the water ski show at SeaWorld and yep. the um, the stunt driver show at uh, Movie World. Wow. So, and uh, our f- traveling freestyle motocross show, which is uh, sitting in hibernation at the moment due to the whole There's COVID thing. Is, but yeah. um, we're stoked to be back at the theme parks and got massive local support and Queenslanders are holidaying in Queensland. So. It's going really well. That's what we want. Mate, let's let's start at the very beginning. So how far back can you go? What's your first ever memory? Um, Wow. Probably my first memory is just, you know, hanging out with mum and dad, going to school. Um, You know, I've I've been told over the years I've got a really good memory. I bring up stuff that I remember and, you know, my family just can't believe – how how far back I can remember things. Um, I remember. And how vividly it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's clear yeah. as like we um, just one thing. My daughter years and years ago, my young she was young at the time and she was into Smurfs. And my parents were um, came up for a holiday and they brought my old Smurfs from yeah, when I was a kid. I got mine too. And it was a lunchbox full of Smurfs. And my mum gave it to my daughter and she was about nine at the time. And and before she opened it, I said, "Just wait a second. And I pretty much said, "Okay, there's going to be a." a Smurf skateboarder in there and it's a red board with yellow wheels. It's missing one wheel. There's a surfboard with the fin broken off. And I ran through about 10 things and, you know, she's looking at me, my wife's looking at me, what are you doing? And then opened it up and sure enough, it's just little things like that I remember, but I'll forget my wedding anniversary. So it's, um, well, you can't I, do that. I think I'm a long-term memory guy sometimes, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so, but it, time does fly. It's incredible. How quick time! Everyone says it, and when I think That's, when you're growing up, you don't think it. No. Nah. But as you get a little bit older, you kind of really start. It goes well. quicker. Yeah, very well, quick. We're in September. I know. I know. <laughs> That's I know. just insane. I was only 45 <laughs> a little bit ago, and now I'm nearly 46. So yeah, it's unbelievable, scary. isn't it? So where where were you born? Uh, born in Canberra. Okay. Born and born and raised in Canberra. So yeah. Um, so you went to school there? Yeah, went to school there. Went to primary school. I'm um, just around the corner from my house. I used to ride what my bike. What was that called? Do you remember? Ah, uh, Watanga Primary School. Watanga, where's Watanga? Watangara. It's in the north side of Canberra. Watangara. Yeah. Okay. W- north side. W-E-T, yeah. A N G E R A. So north side of Canberra. Yeah. So it was it was great. It was like when, you know, every suburb had a primary school and yeah. a little set of shops. And uh, now I go back there and there's that it lasted. So there's like five suburbs that call that primary school now. Yeah. Um, the primary school and then my high school was in riding distance. So rode pretty much rode to school every single day. It was a, it was a um. Rode my BMX with my buddies. We used to meet at the end of each street and, yep. and headed to school. And in primary school, my house was probably uh, 500 metres away. And um, I used to come home from school and mum would tell me that she heard me playing on the oval today because oh, I was really? pretty loud at school. So, uh, <laughs> And then my high school was probably about a 15 to 20 minute BMX ride um, each way there and back. So 
And then, yeah, so that was good. And you're still in touch with any of the uh, the boys that you used to ride your BMX to uh, school with? Yeah, no, it, it's a funny one. I've, uh, I talked to some younger staff members of mine about how important it is to get a really good bond of friends and I'm yeah. a little bit scared that the whole social media has taken that away a little bit I because agree. everyone's got a 1,000 friends and, and I'm like I've been around 45 years and travelled the world and, and been in awesome industries and I don't think I've ever got a 1,000 friends, you know. So, I wouldn't um, know a 1,000 people. No, so uh, we've, we've got a tight-knit group of friends that I didn't actually go to school with. We're all the same age. I played football with them. Yeah. Um, I raced BMX all local, with them. All local kids. All local and yeah. we still to this day, um, my daughter and one of my friends' um, daughters are best friends and there's six of us. Um, five of them are still in Canberra so we catch up as probably three, four times a year. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's so tight. So as far as the people that I actually went to school with, um, don't see that many anymore. We just sort of drifted apart. I left school in year 10 just to follow my dreams. So didn't do the whole college thing as much. But, uh, we, you know, when I see them, I bump into them. Uh, being obviously in theme parks, you kind of, you know, every couple of days, <laughs> if, you're in, if you're in the grandstand or in a show, someone pops up or and sends you, you a out. thing oh, on no, Facebook. That and, you know, um, you know, one, a, a lady, a girl that I went to high school with reached out the other day. She was coming to SeaWorld and uh, very sad story. Her daughter's actually only four and she's been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. So, oh, shit. You know, and, and we started to talk again and, and that re- stuff like that really touches me. So we're trying to do as much as we can for her to make yeah, a yeah, special time sure. because uh, I, I've had some losses in my life and... I know how much it hits you, but to know, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'll probably meet this girl once, this little girl. But you if know, you can make her smile, I'll make yeah, one little she, bit it's of It's a dream of mate. hers to go to SeaWorld. So oh. we're going to make the day really special for her at the end of the month. And, you know, so I haven't spoken to Amanda probably, you know, 18, 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, and then we just touch base again and... That and happens it through life, though, doesn't it? Yeah. You meet all these yep. people. Like I'm, I'm the same as you. Mate. I'm the same age as you, a bit, a little bit older. But I've got a, a good core group of mates that I played under five soccer with. So we're talking forty years ago mm. that we actually met, and we still have a punters club together. We all we send shit to each other on on WhatsApp and yep. really stupid. Like we're still five. But it's it, yeah, yeah. You, you do that. It's <laughs> My important. wife just shakes her head at me. But, yeah. but yep. that's the thing. And we get together and we're all like we're fifteen again. Yep. We're we're all brothers um, from different mothers, and the thing there is that um, you'll never break that bond. No, and definitely. It's, it's, it's really interesting that I, I, I agree with you. I don't see that nowadays. No, not at all. My, you know, my best, one of my best friends, mum and dad, they were at my 18th birthday and, you know, if border restrictions open, they'll be up for my daughter's 18th yeah. birthday in, you know, a couple of That's pretty months' special, time. So it? you kind of, you know, and, and you know, I was, I was there at my mate's older brother's wedding and, you know, his parents were at my wedding and yeah. you, you kind of look at it and just see a whole circle now and and I think it's so important to have someone to be able to call they know you're at your worst they know you're at your best and um you just can be honest with them and uh and I and you know there there is some people that are, have have got it but I yeah. think as a society we're just growing away from it because it's you know, me and my mates call. One of my mates calls me every morning on his way to work. Yeah, because he knows I'm out <laughs> early working out, and and he'll call me every single day. And, yeah. and my daughter and his daughter are like, "You guys talk every single day." And I'm like, "Yep," <laughs> but we don't message each other every day like everyone else. Yeah, does. exactly. So yeah. It's just that check in call in the morning. What's going on? Right. And I'm like, nothing. I just went to sleep. Nothing yeah. from yesterday. But or otherwise, you got some hot topics to talk about. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Isn't it? Do you still call your mates' parents, Mister and Missus? Uh, no, no, I did, I did for a long time, um, but I don't anymore. Because that's gone out of society that, that's too. That's definitely gone because my mates have got, um, they've got one of my close mates in my group. He's got a seven and a five year old, yeah. and they call me Uncle Gary. Yeah. Um, another friends just call me Gary. But that's the way and we grew up. We, like mum and dad's friends were uncles and aunties. Yeah, that's right. Or Mr. Friends, and Mrs. Or Mr. Yeah, and Mrs. Or Mr. and Mrs. I still call like Mrs. Lover and Mrs. Lover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't um, call her Robin. No. Like, because that just is weird yeah, to me. Yeah, that's definitely gone out of the system for yeah, sure. Yeah. But uh, That's know. funny I think it's changing. Yeah, it is. We're so when you are at school, were you good, bad, ugly, jock, nerd? Um, what would you put yourself in? What category? Um, yeah, I wasn't a bad kid. Uh, I, uh, I was – I wasn't the best at school, not the brightest. Um, I'm a real hands-on learner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was good at sport at school, um, athletics carnival. I I started playing rep AFL football. I made the rep team in year six, the ACT state team in year six, and continued that all through high school. I think I was six years in a row played rep football AFL for ACT. Yeah. Um, you know, all athletics carnivals through through primary school and high school. I always made you know the 
the state competition in it and uh, and you know inter schools comps and stuff. Uh, won a few sort of sports star of the year awards at school. So very athletics, but also um, I was good at maths. Um, if I was into something, I kind of found myself half decent yeah. at it. Um, so I was a good kid. Uh, I did get in a little bit of trouble, mainly for being too loud, too out there, um, going against the grain if I believed in something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that trait in my daughter today. And is that um, because that's the way you were brought up? Did your parents uh, do that? No, not really. Not really. It, it's funny because my parents were, were great. I had a um, – my my parents were awesome, uh, you know, just normal parents like what my dad. Do do? So, mum uh, was a stay at home mum from when I was born. Hardest job in the world. Yeah, mate. it is. It is. <laughs> and my dad owned taxi cabs for a while. Okay. And then he owned concrete trucks, and then went back to taxis, and then owned a transport company in Canberra. So, um, but we we had a great upbringing, like. You know, my dad would go to the pub on a Friday night. Mum would take me BMX racing when I got into BMXing. And then yeah. someone said to me the other day, oh, we were talking about the the whole, you know, the, when you when you go to like a man camp thing and they try to find something in your upbringing. They're like, oh, do you regret that your dad wasn't at the BMX races? Is that, yeah. you know, and I said, no, because we used to go to the pub after racing to pick him up. Yeah. And I'd be so proud to walk into the pub with a trophy yeah. and all his mates are there and they cheer and I'm like, so it was like a bonus to... You got to have so, your glass of lemonade. Yeah, I thought it was unreal. I'm going, so it wasn't, you know, people are like, oh, your dad wasn't at many of your BMX races. Yeah. And I'm like, well, he come to the big ones on weekends, but on the Friday night it was his thing and it was yeah. our thing to go BMXing, then go and pick him up from the pub. But uh, so, yeah, he, we had great upbringing, went... Uh, yeah, went away, family holidays and, and all that sort of stuff. So but. you were obviously all right at AFL. Uh, yeah, I was we never. the state team and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I was, I was good. Mate. Was it something you wanted to have a proper crack at? Never, never thought of it, to be honest. Uh, just I never really thought too far in front. Yeah. Uh, my best friend, that, well, one of our group that I'm still close with, he was just natural. He was all Australian team and. And he was the first name to get picked all the time. They tell you yeah. when they pick a rep side after the training squad. And I was always probably in the last five to get picked. They tell you the order doesn't matter, but it's of kind of, it, it does. does. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so I was good, but I don't think I was ever the best at everything. Like yeah. I won some state titles, BMX racing, but I never went on to travel around the country. My parents couldn't afford it. And, and you know, I had an average BMX. My parents wouldn't spend big money on a BMX. I didn't have Maybe three. they couldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we don't know that's these right. at the that's time, right. do so yeah, yeah. I didn't have three-piece cranks. I had a one-piece set of cranks and yeah. never had a brand-new bike. The, you know, the top of the line, I used to go down the BMX shop, look through all the brochures, and, and they did everything they could. And, and Dad just said, well, if you're fast enough, you can win on that bike. And I did do that. <laughs> and then when I was old enough to buy myself a GT BMX, I bought one. And people that have been to my workshop, I've now got a 45-strong um, vintage and mid-school oh, BMX really? collection. It just got a bit out of control when I could finally afford one. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it was really, really enjoyable. And um, But I, I never really thought I'm going to be an AFL star. You used to watch AFL on the weekends, but I just yeah. loved playing my, with my mates. And, yeah, I'm with the and, same. And then I played rugby league for the last two years mm-hmm. uh, when I was 16, 17, and then water skiing sort of took over and, and that was my soul. So you said you left school in year 10. Well, is there something you're like as a kid you always wanted to be? So, as I said, when I was going through school, I just gave everything a shot. Yeah. Like I was, you know, I was in the hockey team at school, never played hockey in our life, but we went to to parks for an inter-school sports exchange thing. Yeah. And parks is still to this day and I'm, I'm one of our group is that guy from parks that I billeted with. Yeah. And mad hockey family. And the joke is they were actually telling us how to play hockey during our games because we had no clue because <laughs> there was one guy in our school that played hockey. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to send a hockey team. So we went to park. We'll we, go. <laughs> we, we were the basketball team. We were the rugby league team. We were the hockey team. And this one guy, and they're, they're telling us how to play during it. Um, so I'd give any, anything a go at school. And I just thought if I'm not interested in something, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. I, funny story, I got an A in English in year 10. And I got an English award in year 10. And when I walked up to get the award, the English teacher actually had a block of chocolate as well. And she said, this is a little unusual. I'm going to give a block of chocolate to Gary because he is the first student I've ever taught to get an A and an English award and never read a book. So I'd never <laughs> read a book from cover to cover in primary school or high school, like wow. a proper book. Yeah. And um, just couldn't couldn't get into it. And I've actually picked – I've started reading over the last – 
probably four months now and I'm yeah. on to like my fifth book and I'm loving, loving it. Loving it. And I'm reading stuff I'm interested in like the CEO of Disney's book, the yeah. founder of Nike's book, um, Extreme Leadership about SEAL Team's book and it's all relevant now. And I said to a good friend, I said, I should have started reading years ago and they said it wouldn't have been relevant no, then, because 10 years ago I was just head down going flat out. So... So, so yeah, so you get I a bit of a chance to sit back and relax and enjoy it. Yeah, that's and I read difference. the book and go, wow, that happened to me four years ago and, oh, that's how that person and, oh, yeah, that's yeah. when I was in with the CEO of Village Roadshow. He said, oh, I get that now, what he was talking about. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've, I've I was my, just nodding my head at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I close the book and I walk into bed and I see my wife and I go, oh, I'm smarter now. I feel, <laughs> feel a lot smarter. But, but so, yeah, just going through high school, but what really ticked for me is I was just cruising through school, you know, on all the sports team, popular guy at school, had a really tight, neat bunch of friends. Um, everyone, you know, as far as I know, probably half the people liked me, half the people hated me, but I was, you know. You were just that bloke. That bloke and yeah. everything was cruising and then uh, went home Friday night, went and uh, raced BMX on Friday night. I think it was racing BMX and I came home and then uh, went to bed. My sister at the time, she was 18, I was 16, she'd gone to Batlow with a group of friends and we get a phone call. Oh, I get woken up at three in the morning and it's my dad. And he said, oh, your sister's been in a car accident. I've got to go to Batlow, just go back to sleep, all good. And I was like, I just thought nothing of it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I went back to sleep and then I got woken up with my dad's best friend and my mum waking me up at about six and said, we have to go to Batlow right now. It's not good. So we went to Batlow. How far away is Batlow? Uh, it's about two and a half hours. So they were at, by the time we got there, they were at Wagga Hospital. So we went to Wagga. Um, she'd been in a car accident. Her and her best friend were driving with two guys from one property to another property. She was in the back of the ute with a guy. Uh, my sister's best friend was in the front of the ute. The guy driving started to hit the white post on the side of the road just for a bit of fun and the back wheel went down in a culvert. The ute rolled. The guy next to my sister jumped and he landed on the grass and she froze and grabbed the roll bar. So when the ute rolled, it landed on top of her. So we were in... Um, we are in uh, Wagga all day, walking in and out of the room, just waiting for her to die naturally or mum and dad will be faced with the decision. So mm. unfortunately that afternoon, um, after about nine hours of being at the hospital, um, she passed away. So, so you were how old? 16. 16. So it was in June. It was uh, 10 days for, before, sorry, four days before my 16th birthday. And um, that's got to hit you pretty hard. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Like, I remember the drive were you home. Close? We were, yeah, we were brother and sister. We, were you close though? Yeah, I think we were. It's yeah. it's funny now because I look at younger kids that are that are sixteen and seventeen and eighteen, and I look at my daughter and think, well, she's nearly eighteen. So yeah. my my sister was eighteen in three months uh, when she passed away. So my daughter's eighteen in a couple of months' time. So I look at that and think, you know, we've got kids in the street that are roughly fifteen, sixteen. I'm look at the dynamic, and so we were. We fought in the back of the car when we go on holidays. and Brother and sister, mate. We, we used to come to the Gold Coast every year with family friends and mm. we hung out and, and we learned to water ski together socially and, and that was all cool. So, yeah, so but I just didn't know what missing someone yeah. was. It was it was a weird one. So, anyway. So how we, was that car trip back uh, from Wagga? Yeah, it was, it was hard, Probably hard. It was a bit surreal, um, yeah. I think, for mum and dad because you just – you got it. dad got in the car at 3 o'clock in the morning, mum got in at 6 o'clock with me and then you're coming home without a daughter or a sister. So we got home and and I remember the biggest thing that hit me is everyone coming around to the house but I ended up going to school on – didn't go to school on the Monday but I just needed to get out of the house yeah. and I went to school and that's when it really, really hit me is – So is she still at school? Uh, she was in college, yeah, yeah, year 12 at college. She went to Belcon High, so she was known by all the teachers and everything. And the biggest thing that hit me is walking in to school and for the first time in as long as I could remember, no one said anything. No one knew how to speak to me because now I'm this guy that's just lost his sister. As opposed yeah, – And, well. you know, I was just in the corridor. People just didn't know how to approach me. And I ended up leaving that day and going back home. I just felt that uncomfortable and because no one knew what to say. You're 16, mm -hmm. like you're not going to – know how to approach no, it. No, of course um, not. So, yeah, and then, um, you know, the the normal thing, the, the funeral was a bit surreal for me because I couldn't cry. I didn't cry. Mm -hmm. I felt – I it stuck with me for a long time. I felt really, really bad that I couldn't cry at the funeral because um, I walked up to put a rose on the coffin 
and I didn't speak at the funeral or anything. I wrote a poem and it got read out, but I went up to put the coffin, the rose on the coffin. I turned around and everyone's crying. My, my friends are crying, but mm. I'm not crying. And I thought, why can't I cry? And it was just a thing that stuck with me for a lot of years. And, and um, yeah, and so where I'm heading with that is 10 days after that, there was a school trip that I'd planned to go on with our year 10 group to Queensland. Yeah. And it was a bus ride and we went up inland, we went up north and then we came back down the coastway and it was a two-week trip and the teachers and my parents thought it would be really good for me to to go on the trip. Yeah. So because I was very tight with my friends, so I ended up going on the trip and we, were, we went up and really had a good time because I guess for me it was like I was always planning to go on it mm. so I was not going to be with mum and dad or my sister anyway so it kind of – a little bit surreal that gave you a bit of freedom. Yeah, as well. so you know, I had a really good time on that trip, and everyone's cutting loose a little bit. It's midway through you, you know, your last year of high school. Yeah, and we come back down, and our, our last day before we made the trek home was on the Gold Coast, and we went to SeaWorld. And I sat there, and I went sat and watched the dolphin show, and then the water ski show was on. And were you water skiing by this time? Yeah, but only socially. I, d- I didn't learn to water ski till I was 14. Okay. Um, just with a family friend, me and my sister learnt. So dad had a boat or anything? Yeah, bought or? a boat. He yeah. used to ski. I've, I've never seen him ski, so okay. he did ski. Then we got back into it, but he was a bit older and didn't ski. He was um, the driver. He was the driver. <laughs> Mum was the observer. But just socially. Yeah. And then I, I watched the ski show at SeaWorld and I was watching the show and I just went, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm. I, I vividly remember little bits, I guess, of seeing it when I was a lot younger. But I just sat there and and I went, okay, I'm going to just watch the pack up. And all my friends went on a ride and I just sat there and watched it. So the next show I came back and wanted to watch it again. And then all my friends walked off again. I walked down jumped the fence, there was a big no entry backstage sign and I just walked, something clicked with me and I just went, I want to do this, this yeah. is this is me. And and I walked backstage, they sort of laughed at me, a couple of guys, and I'm like, hey, what are you going to do to work here? And they're laughing like I probably would have if I was yeah, there. Yeah, of and course. They said, can you water skin? I'm like, yes. And they're like, can you do this? I'm like, nope. Can you do this? No. Could you do that? Could you think you could do this? Yeah, probably. So they said, I'll tell you what, if you do this, this, this and this, when you can do that, give us a call, come back and audition. So I was like, okay, no worries. So, so they gave you a target. Got back, yep, wrote a little list down and I went home and got off the bus, said to mum so and dad. you're 16 at this stage. Yep, yeah, yeah. just turned 16 and said to mum and dad, I'm working at SeaWorld. I said, I'm going to, got to learn this. And, and you know, I just had the list. I had to, you know, learn to jump. So I had to make friends with guys that ski jumped. So I yeah. joined the water ski club and learned to ski jump. And then, you know. What dad say? Uh, they were all for it. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously it's a shit jump, time for them as jump, well. Yeah. And just losing, um you know, your daughter, you're like, well, whatever your son, because I, I felt guilty about that as well, because everything now that I've gotten and success with businesses all come from a water skiing career. Mm. So, you know, I think if she hadn't have passed away, would the family have devoted everything to, to my skiing and, and everything? So, yeah, so I just worked my butt off, but mum said to me, you can't work at SeaWorld until you go to college or you get an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. And I'd done work experience as a carpenter. I liked carpentry. Thought it was pretty cool. So uh, I just went and did everything I needed to do. I thought, right, I'm going to be a carpenter, then I'm going to study hard, finish that as quick as I can, and then work at SeaWorld. Yeah. So I went back to school and I found out about this program that because I had a, a friend that was a carpenter and I'd done work experience with him. And there's a program at school for bad kids that to get them out of the school environment for a day, every week on a Friday they go – and do it's a similar to an offsite apprenticeship. Yeah, now, yeah. But it was just you spend the day work experience. Yep. You catch up your classes you miss during the if you bother Tuesday the <laughs> Thursdays, and yeah. you get. And I wanted to do it, and the careers person said you can't do it. It's not for you good. technically. It's yeah. not for you know you're good at school. You're in all the sports team. So I went into the principal's office, and I said well, we need to talk. And I just said I want to do this, and he's like, well, it, the course isn't for you, Gary. The teacher explained it and I said, okay, so I'll see you in a week. And he looks at me and he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, my parents want me to do it. You're telling me I can't do it because I'm too good. I said, give me a week and you'll be begging me to do it. <laughs> and, you know, he kind of looked at me, you're not going to drop this, are you? And I'm like, nope. So uh, he said, okay, we'll sign you up. So sign me up to this. Um, he was concerned about what you were going to do. Yeah, I, mate, I was, you know, I was already thinking as I got up out of the chair, I'm it's like, okay, well, like, yeah, do I fire. smash a window? Do I pick a fight? I'm, I'm like, I'm going to get this. So, yeah, within a week and a half I started and every Friday since the start of July, end of July, 
I'd worked as a carpenter, learning as much as I could. And then I started my apprenticeship the day after my year 10 formal with the same, the same boss. And my goal was just carpentry and learn as much as I can on skis until I've got those five things I needed to learn. So that was my life for three and a half years. I, I did so you got extra your ticket? work. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The day I, uh, the day I, so I flew up to, I, I had a really good boss at the time because I used to be injured all the time because and I'd go away, I'd be driving to Sydney on a Friday night, ski all weekend, come back late Sunday morning, be ratchet Saturday, um, Monday, yeah. you know, at work and and the day I started at SeaWorld, I actually signed my apprenticeship papers to finish. But Wow. And what I did, to, I was actually working for myself my third year of my apprenticeship because my, I was through the Master Builders Association and my boss was paying, you know, $18 an hour to have me. I was getting you know, $11 an hour, Yeah. you know, with my apprenticeship. And I said to the master builders, if I take, it was kind of a loophole, I said, if I take unpaid leave, does my apprenticeship time still tick over? And they're like, yeah, it does. So I took time off <laughs> and then contracted back to him. So I started my business when I was, you know, 19 or something. And uh, it's been same ever since. That's the last time I ever worked for someone besides working at theme parks yeah, of course. as such. But uh yeah, so, so then during I, this time, are you in are you in contact with the SeaWorld guys? Are you no, just that annoying kid that no, stuck nothing. his head in backstage one day? No, yep, no, didn't didn't contact them again. I yeah. uh, just learned as much as I could. So over you the learn time. how to jump. You learn, learn how to, how to do jump. How to do a heli. Stuff. I had to barefoot. Uh, had to learn to do doubles. Had to learn to do a pyramid. So I hooked up with some guys that I'm still really good friends with now from Sydney, and yeah. they were ex SeaWorld guys, and another ex SeaWorld guy from Canberra, and they just pretty much took me under their wing, and I just. Everything was about learning that. So I stopped racing BMX, stopped riding BMX, stopped playing football. Everything was about, about uh, yeah, about going, a job going there. Well. So I, I went there. and So when, when you when you learnt all this stuff, you've now got your ticket and so you're, you're a carp and anything, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to work at SeaWorld. How do you approach SeaWorld? Well, I just called up and said, look, I'd like to audition. I've got this and... So I had a f- few references for the guys that I'd – because I'd done a few shows down in Sydney, just local little mm-hmm. shows and uh, uh, stray day shows and throughout the years. Sorry. And, yeah, so I just went up there and tried out and they said, yep, yeah, we'll give you a call if there's any jobs. And I got a call two months later and they said, will you be available to start in January? And I said, yep, <laughs> sure will. So Dream come true. Yeah, and it was literally. I just packed everything in the car, drove up, had a so bit So what of year a- was that? It was 1995. So, so in 1994, you made the Australian was, ski team. Yeah, so the Australian cable water ski team. What's went that? To, well, cable water skiing is uh, is massive at the moment, like the wake park. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so back then it was not much as wakeboarding. It was more slalom, jump and tricks, but behind a cable, yep. big in Europe. So bit of a um, bit of a small industry here in Australia, but had a chance to make the Australian team and was doing jumps trick and slalom. I was actually tricking on my wakeboard because yeah. I, I wasn't a trick skier and got to go to Europe. So that was my first trip overseas. We went via America, which was awesome. And I, I spent some time at SeaWorld Park over there because the friends of mine were still working there that I'd skied in Sydney with. Yeah. And that hit another bug. I was like, I want to get to America and, and ski at SeaWorld in America. So I um, did that, started at SeaWorld, lasted one year at SeaWorld Australia and then went back and skied at Darling Harbour for the Christmas holidays and then left in June in 1990, uh, May 1996 to head to America for six months. Wow. And uh, worked over there at SeaWorld, then came back, did carpentry. So I was doing carpentry in between going to America, so I did that for three years mm-hmm. and then come back and um, and just decided I wanted to stay in Australia, I was kind of over travelling. And were you single bit. all this time? I was single to the last my last trip over America. Mm-hmm. When I came home um, for my first trip into America, I actually was lucky enough to um, water ski and have a little bit of a speaking role on Baywatch, the oh, TV really? show. Yeah, so it was. Um, they just wanted to put water ski in the show. They come down yeah. to San Diego where we were working and. I guess being a blonde Australian, you know, had a bit of appeal to them. And um, so, have you got that on rerun at home? On yeah, yeah, or? I know exactly where it is. I got it on my phone. My, <laughs> all my mates would tell me, but uh, no, it was it was an awesome experience. At the time, it was the most watched television show, of course, in the, in world. the world. And so, was that pre Kelly Slater or so post pre pre, pre Kelly? So, yeah. um, but it, it was really cool. Like I spent some time with Tommy Lee because he was, you know, keen to learn about water skiing, and yeah. I, I was 
spent two hours. Well, she was in the trailer for two hours, but I had to come and go because I kept getting wet. But uh, with Pamela Anderson, yeah. like, it was got some really, really exciting photos from it, and, and it was an absolute ball. And awesome. And uh, yeah, so that was good. So when I came home, um, I actually met my wife. Now my wife, uh, my girlfriend then. So the the following year, I went over and I didn't. You know, I went. She stayed at home, and I was away for four and a half, five months. And then I just came home and said, I want to stay at home. And what am I going to do? Yeah. And I started a freestyle motocross team. So, which, so yeah. you're a bloke that left school in year ten, end of year ten. Yeah. Yeah. Started did my you, apprenticeship the day after my formal. Hung did, over. Did your chippy certificate? Right. Mm-hmm. So you're you're a qualified chippy. Yep. Then go and work at SeaWorld. But during this time, you're also you're obviously a little bit entrepreneurial because of what you did with the master builders and sort of contracted yourself back during your apprenticeship. So you've obviously got that bit of a twang, which you probably get from your old man being like owning cabs, owning trucks and doing all different type of stuff. But then you decide, okay, I'm going to come live back in Australia. Why motocross? Well, it was a, it was a weird one. I was back and I always came back to my, my then boss and uh, – was contracting to him, you know, we were building residential houses. So it, it and that's one of the reasons I really liked carpentry because it's a real come and go. You can just rock up in yep. town and pick up six weeks work doing a frame and a roof and stuff like that. So I came back and I was kind of in the, you know, in the, uh, you know, glory days of first, you know, serious yeah, girlfriend. You're, and we're excited and I'm, I'm just kind of looking for what to do. And I built my first house in that time. Yeah. Um, went to mum and dad and Where said, is that, still in Canberra? Or? Yeah, it was in Canberra. Um, drove past it actually a couple of months ago. I wish I had it, still had it because it's about <laughs> yeah. five times what it's worth. But uh, yeah, went to mum and dad and said, can you go guarantee her on the loan? And laid it out on a bit of paper and said, I think I can build it for this, sell it for this much and I'm going to pay you half the profit. And yeah. And they said, yep, deal. And, and I got it done and they didn't take half the profit, which was great of them. Mm. Um, they didn't tell me that at the time. So I was working on, you know, if yeah, I yeah. can make 100 grand, I'd get 50 grand and just worked flat out on that as much as I could. My wife helped me and my wife's dad helped me and my girlfriend's dad at the time. But uh, yeah, so I did that. And then I was talking with someone. I was actually, being, I was a mascot for the NBL Canberra Cannons team. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, for two years. So yeah. I was actually at a game and I, I worked with a guy in America that was an NBA mascot. And I went to game and watched him and I was watching – I was at an NBL game in Canberra and I was watching the mascot and I was telling my mate how crap he was because I'd worked with this other guy <laughs> and I'd been to his games. And then they were actually looking for a new mascot and the Herb McGeechan at the time, which was an NBL legend. Absolutely. Yeah, he came up to me because my friend knew him. He was a sponsor. And he said, oh, Gary thinks your mascot sucks. And Herb, he knew that Herb didn't like the mascot either. Yeah. And Herb looks at me and goes, what do you think you can do a better job? And I'm like – Actually, I do. <laughs> and, yeah, that so that lasted for three seasons, I How think it was. How old were you then? Uh, 21. Yeah. 21. So I did that for a couple of years and that was, that was fun. Um, that, that was good. And so, yeah, long story short, we were at, I was chatting with a guy that was a ringmaster at the Canberra show and he said, do you have As any? you do. Yeah, well, it was just in, in a friend's signwriting shop yeah. and he was talking about entertainment ideas and he goes, well, Gary, what do you think? Because I'd done a few little things with the Canberra Cannons mascot at the show yeah. for sponsors and built a little car and drove around, had a basketball hoop on the back for kids. And and I said, yeah, fill it with water and do a water ski show as a joke, you know. And then I got thinking and I thought, what if we did a water ski show? And I was riding motorbikes at the time, nothing flashed, just yeah. socially. And I had a few friends that were doing tricks. And I thought, what if we did a motorbike jumping show, similar format to a water ski show? Okay. So for me, it was just a ski. We had a clown and he came out and a little bike and then a bigger yeah, bike. Yeah. And then at the end, he was the star of the show. And we did that at the camera show and we made the news. We made three dirt mounds and this was in the year 2000. So we mm-hmm. started planning in 99 and we did the first night of the show and it would just went nuts. The guys were doing like jumping 60 feet, doing knack knacks and, you know, heel clickers and everyone was just like, wow, this is, you know, we built a triple. So at the start of the show, the guys were doing the double and yeah. this was just from my ski days learning. I'm like, okay, let's not do the big one at the start. So, yeah. And then at the end of the show, when they hit the triple the first time, the crowd just went crazy. It was really um, so Saturday morning, the Royal Brisbane show, the Ecker guy comes up to me and goes, we love your show. We want you in August. And I'm like, oh yeah, but we, he said, we can't have dirt on our arena. And I'm like, no, that's fine. We've built some portable ramps they just weren't ready yeah and he goes oh you've got portable ramps and i said yeah and he goes how long did they take to set up and i said oh they're quick and he goes oh you have to be because we're in and out like there's other yeah. events and i said oh you can you can set them up in like five minutes and he's like wow and he goes what about pack up 
And I said, that's even quicker. That's like three minutes. And he says, right, okay, well, can you do me up a price? It's nine-day show. And I was just, I've gone home going, wow, this is the coolest <laughs> Did you have ever. the ramps? No, nothing. No. <laughs> nothing. Haven't even thought, hadn't even thought about building Five ramps. minutes, three minutes. Yeah. So, and I was like, hmm, okay. So I thought, okay. So I rang a welder mate of mine, said, you got to come down the show on Sunday before we demolish these ramps. So we did some measurements. I said, talking to the riders, they were happy. And I said, we got, and he goes, hey, that'll be easy. We'll just weld a frame. And I said, yeah, but they've got to be able to drive on and off an arena and blah, blah, blah. So he, we went back, welded everything up, and we went to the Ecker and yeah. we did made the deadline and did the show with what we think are the world's first fully portable freestyle ramps. So um, are they on the backs people. of trucks, are they? No, we had a we had a my um, carpenter little tray back Ford Courier with yeah. an up ramp on it. Yeah. And then we had a trailer down ramp, which 10 years later I built a set of portable BMX ramps for a show that were bigger than our first freestyle oh, ramps. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a big trailer that the, the top deck slid down and that was a landing ramp and we went away and we did 60-foot shows and then I built another set because I had conflicting shows and then finally we built a truck and this all happened. So I was still doing carpentry at the time and then it was about 2000 and. We'd moved into our first house and I had a little garage workshop area in the back and office. And, and had you branded yourself by this time? Yep, you yep, like- yeah, showtime, yeah, yep. yep. And then uh, and then one day I just – I was flat out doing carpentry and then I'd come home and I'd just try and work on shows because from then it was like you do the Ecker and the Royal Adelaide show come to us. Yeah. Our show's next year. Do you want it? Yep, give it a quote. So you've got that in September next year. Then Royal Melbourne show came to us and then all the – it was just – just growing. So these people are coming to you as well. You're yeah, not going to them. Not doing anything. Like, and I'm like, yep. Yeah. And then if I didn't have a show, it didn't bother me because I was doing carpentry. Yeah. And then it was starting to get bigger and bigger. And then one day I said to my wife, she said to me, actually, you've just got to make the step. So I went, yep, done. I'm done carpentry. As of next Monday, I'm full time showtime. Yeah. Went out to my little cool office I'd built in the back shed and <laughs> sat down my first day, officially first day at work and went, wow. What do we do? And I had a book and I'd ordered it and it was all the regional shows around Australia. So I printed out this cool proposal, just self-taught on a computer and sent it to all these shows and got about 15, 16 inquiries, book shows, and that was the first and last time we ever advertised for Showtime for the freestyle team. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and then we, we signed with Yamaha and they supplied us bikes and that was really cool. And, then and so started, the riders were all just mates still? Yeah, they were just contract guys and you'd hear of someone and they were coming in and then I, I really wanted to, you know, I, I, we did a – when we were, our first year with Yamaha, they have these Yamaha tribe events. So we did a an event for Yamaha and we went to Port Macquarie and I actually took a photo of Craig Dack's motocross truck mm-hmm. and he was the factory Yamaha guy, had been for years, still a good friend of mine and I, he knows his story and I took a photo of his truck and cut the back of it to make it look like our truck, like the yeah. ramp. And I'm like, that's what I need. I, I want the full factory look, the professional look, all of this stuff. And that was my goal. I just I just wanted to get it. And slowly over the years, you know, we rented a workshop yeah. and then we got, got bigger and bigger and yeah, bigger. And I just committed to riders. I had some really good riders that because it was starting to get bigger and bigger. And yeah, and and we just sort of grew with it and and we, our first year we did nine days of shows and our biggest year we've done 128 days of shows. Wow. So, you know, we've kept a lot of riders in work. Uh, we're very loyal to our riders. We've had the same three riders now for the last probably 11 years. Wow, that's uh, awesome. We've only got a really tight group of guys that we've had, um, which is awesome. So, yeah. And then that led to Krusty Demons announcing – which then led to Supercross announcing, which led to a bit of TV stuff with those guys, then led to some work with Nitro Circus. And then uh, my best friend at the time, Stuart, he used to come away with us all the time. He was an electrician but just used to – every time he could, he'd come away. Yeah. We used to sit in the truck and because I was driving the truck, I was announcing the shows, doing everything. (laughs) And – yeah, I, we we chatted, and I'm like, I, I want a you know full workshop, a mechanic, uniforms. I want, and we ha- I had this list of everything I wanted, and I said one day I'd love to get this show in a theme park. Like it would just be a, to have a full time theme park yep. show with our show would be incredible. And unfortunately, he got he got cancer. He was driving our truck back from an event up here on the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast Motorbike Expo, and he got really bad pains in the stomach. Went in and had a cancer tumor oh, in his liver. And, uh, and that was in 
March and he passed away in September. Jesus. And uh, yeah, it was, and it was the sad, it, it was worse than losing my sister because he, we had done everything together. Yeah. We'd partied, drunk, I would, been at his wedding, like everything, you know. So with my sister, I'm thinking you probably forget the first five or six years of your life. Yep. So I was with my sister for maybe ten years. She's my sister. She you don't confide everything. Whereas mm. him, we were, and I sat at home after the funeral, and I got home. I was with his wife the whole night. Got home early in the morning. I was sitting in the garage, and I picked up the list, and the only thing I hadn't done on the list was theme park show, and I said to my wife, I said, we're done. We're going That's to it. Queensland. So, that so you're was, still in Canberra this time? Yep. Wow. So we've done two events for Movie World part-time for yep. Halloween and uh, and jumped there. And, and they'll motocross shows. Yep, just free, just come in um, every Friday and Saturday night in October as part of the Halloween show, mm-hmm. uh, filled in, and there was always talk, oh, this is really good, um, you know, awesome. So I, I really, you know, we already had a little in there and – when after he passed away, that was in September, and we were living on the Gold Coast in December. Oh wow! And just went, yep, we're done. Let's do it. And I just thought I have to be here. And within a year and a half, we were full time at Movie World. So, and then that's led to being back last year, April. We started back at SeaWorld. Um, Doing 20, a ski show. Yep, yep. The ski show hadn't been there for ten years. Uh, it was taken out by an old CEO. Yep. Didn't want any legacy from the previous one, and you know, and it was it was a a sad time for water skiing in Australia because that was the longest running live show in entertainment history. Oh, really? Yep. And it got pulled out. And my goal was to let's go back with a new style ski show. So we want comedy. We want. So it led into they were doing a jet ski show there at the time, just to sort of jet ski demo show. Yeah. And the entertainment manager is across both parks, and he got with me and said, "I wanted an idea that you can come in at Christmas time, just do a." a show that can go in between the jet ski show because we got such big crowds. So I put a show together, wrote the show, sat down and met with him. He looked through it all. I went through, had music and little film clips and he said, hmm, he goes, we got a problem. And I was like, what? And he goes, this isn't a part-time show. This is our new full-time show. And I was like, yep, it can <laughs> all, be. All right yeah. then. <laughs> okay. And, but that, it still took a year and a bit yeah, before we opened and uh, <laughs> before the deal was done, it was – a lot of back and forth, but then finally we, uh, yeah, April last year, we um, we moved in there in late January. We had a month to build, a month to rehearse, and then we opened the show. And What was that like? Was that – must have been a bit surreal. Yeah. It's like coming it, back home, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It, for me it was massive. I, I didn't – it's funny because I've got so many memories. Um, you know, I've, I take a lot of pride in our workshop. I've got a lot of timelines and like our staircases, all artwork that – a timeline from our first set of ramps to yeah. last year's Christmas party with close to 40 staff. And and I take a lot of pride in that. But because you're head down so much and you're just going for it, you're missing a lot of things. Like we had merchandise in Kmart at one time and someone said to me, this just must blow you away. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm thinking of the next thing. I want toys in Toys R Us and I yeah. want – so. What merchandise did you have We just had clothes. Mer- we got approached by a Showtime licensing. Or? Yeah, Showtime yeah. Yamaha Freestyle Team merch. So it was pretty cool because you still see it walking around today. Which yeah, is, yeah, of course. Which is cool. And um, so that was good. And But we opened and for me, everyone's like, oh, this show's great. And I'm like, it's a, see, it might come across a little bit arrogant, but I kind of go, I know. I told you this a year and a half ago. Mm. I, I, was, I was so solid that I knew this would work and I, I put so much well, You've time known this since you were 16. That's right. So I'm like, I, I love everyone saying it, but the time it really, really hit me is my daughter was 16 at the time. Yeah. And she skied in a show. Oh, wow. And she skied in a show with me because I still ski in the show occasionally. Yeah, and yeah. we were out the back and it was halfway through the show. So she does an act at the start of the show. I do an act. Then we come together and then we do an act together, the round the boat act. Yeah. And we were sitting on the stage and um, and as the boat idled out, she just turned to me. She said, Dad, have a good show. And I looked back and we took <laughs> off the dock. And as we come around the corner, the smile on her face, like I was nearly in tears during the act because yeah, that's yeah. when it hit me. I was like, holy crap. My, I was my daughter's age sitting in that grandstand watching someone do what we're doing That's together awesome, now and I'm sitting here with a full stadium and a show completely under our company's control and, and yeah, and that's that show is when it, it all hit me and went, wow, this is, yeah, something pretty special for me. So, yeah, and then it's head down again and we're, we're still going with it. So it, It's amazing. You, you speak of your daughter so lovingly, which is, which is 
awesome because that's probably the, one of the most um, treasured things you can have is, is by having kids. Talk to me about your missus. So you met your missus. You you were together for a little while. Yeah, Amanda. Yep. And did you get down on one knee or how did the proposal thing happen? So we went the other way. We had a baby first. Yeah. Um, so it was unplanned, which, uh, you know, my daughter jokes about that. You yeah, know, of course. She, didn't really she would now. Me. She's getting older. But uh, <laughs> it was funny because we were all set up ready to go to Albury Show and we had a house full of freestyle riders in our little house down in Canberra, that our first house we bought together. Yeah. And um, she asked me to come into the bedroom and she opens with, you can leave me if you want. Oh. I looked and went, what? And she goes, I'll understand if you don't want to stay with me. I'm like, what are you What are you talking about? She goes, I'm pregnant. And I was like, holy crap. This, I ran out and I told all the boys and <laughs> we got in the car and we went out to the pub, you know, near home and told all the guys that were at the pub and yeah. I, I was just Soaked. pumped about it. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we had our, our little girl and uh, had a few dramas with the with the uh, birth. My wife um, had an ambiotic embolism. Oh, wow. And, yeah, which is... Three cases in Canberra and the first two died, so Jesus. it was a pretty scary time, but yeah. she got through it, uh, which we, we couldn't have any more kids, which yeah. is fine for me because I was like, no worries, we got one really good one, yeah. I'm, I'm happy, some people can't have any. So Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, so then we got married and I actually proposed to her at the Royal Easter Show. Um, she During said, a show? Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she said to me, you know, when we first, she goes, we used to see some things like that. And she said, don't you ever do that to me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course then, I won't, doll. I know. And then it just seemed right. You know, we'd been, they say you've never made it in, in agricultural show entertainment to your star in the show at Easter show on a Saturday night. At, yeah. And it's full stadium. And, and that was true. And it, we'd been there one year prior and it was the second year. And, and I just said to her, I said, look, to make it easier, because we've got friends and family that always want to come and watch the show, I said, Linnell, who's the boss of the entertainment, has said, she'll give us a box for one night, so can we try and get all our family members just to do it on the one night? <laughs> and my <laughs> wife didn't even pick up on a single thing. She was – and I said, because it's hard for me when your your mum and dad want to come yeah, one day course, and my mum and dad want to come another day and then some, everyone wants to come on Easter Saturday and I said, it's just crazy. So it was Easter Saturday. Everyone came. There was a box. They're all sitting up in the box. We're doing the show right before the final jump. I got up on the thing and I thanked the crowd and I just, as I do every night, and I was top of the ramp and I said, oh, what I want to do as well, I said, um, i just like to mention, you know, say big thanks to everyone involved, but also someone that doesn't get thanked a lot. She hates the limelight. She's behind me 100%, has been since day one. I said, it's my beautiful girlfriend, Amanda. So they were actually, it was funny because Channel 7 were doing a, valent, a um, romantic Easter special. <laughs> so we, they had a cameraman secretly filming her oh, okay. from the box next to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they put her on the big screen, split the big screen, so I'm on the ramp, she's on the big screen. <laughs> and I got down on one knee yeah. and then, you know, asked her. And then, you know, will you marry me? And then she's like shocked and then her f- best friend next to her handed her the ring and she got the ring and she's put it on and then they had she had two signs and obviously she's held up the she says yes sign. Yeah. So this, as they held up the sign, fireworks went off, our freestyle riders oh. came in, jumped over the top of me and it ended the show and I'm like, hey, sweetheart, um, I said, I'll be up there in a second, enjoy the fireworks. So we got off the arena and the fireworks are going off. So I've parked the truck straight up. I've started walking up to the box and I, I'm getting these random people walking up to me that are walking out of the show Yeah, and I've got Channel 7 filming, following the whole thing and they're like coming, oh, congratulations. And <laughs> so I got up there and it was it was awesome. And then afterwards, because we had Annalise, she was only one and a half at the time. Yeah, She, Amanda and my parents and her parents all went back to the hotel and me and a few of the boys, because my good mates were up from Canberra and a few of the riders just went to the, the pub on the grounds, like yeah. there's a cattleman's bar. And we're standing in the cattleman's bar and this lady comes up to me, this girl comes up to me, she goes, oh, my God. She goes, that is the most romantic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and she goes, I got engaged two weeks ago. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah. And I thought my boyfriend killed it. He took me to Sydney Heads and he had a picnic and he had all this. And he goes, but I just told him, oh, my God. And I'm like, okay. Then. You just so, destroyed every male. I, I, I was like, <laughs> but this guy comes up to me and he walks up to me and he goes, you. And I went. Did you propose to you? I didn't know him. <laughs> I said, did you propose to that girl over there two weeks ago? He goes, yep. And I thought I know it. I said, I'm going to ask you something. And he said, what's that? And he, I said, did you sit down and look into her eyes? And he goes, yes. I said, it was just the two of you. 
And he said, yeah. I said, just you and her, you're nervous? And he goes, yeah. And I said, you're just look, staring at her. He goes, yeah. I said, mate, I'm on a ramp. I'm looking at 25,000 people. I'm trying to focus on one little corporate box with a big spotlight in my eye. I said, I couldn't see nothing. Yeah. I said, I, I said so you've got bigger balls than me because you actually took her privately <laughs> and sat her down. He goes, yeah. You got a good point. I said, so, mate, you, you topped you me because I was too nervous to do it by myself. I had to do it with 25,000 people. So he had a laugh and we had a beer together and, yeah, so it was pretty funny. So, yeah, so we got married and then, yeah, she's been, you know, we've been through some stuff together, obviously the death of my my um, my best mate? friend and, yeah. and I actually had a stroke as well in, oh, the, in the time. And uh, so she was, she's been a rock to me. We've been through good and bad and, and she's still here and, and yeah, we, we love each other and, yeah, and so, she's still there. She's yeah, still back yeah, in she yeah she'd been through the death of my best friend, and they were really close as well. And then mm. uh, and then obviously when we moved up here, she relocated everything. Loves the warm weather, and and then I had a stroke, so we didn't know what that was going to do. And yeah. uh, she was there by my side with that. And yeah, now, and how's that all going now? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I lost my ability to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right before we were getting ready to sign a contract with Movie World, so I thought everything was out the window. It was the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life mm. when it actually happened. Um, Did they say what caused it? Uh, they I didn't know at the time, but then they found out years later because I kept passing out, so I had a problem with my heart. So now I've got a pacemaker, mm-hmm. got my heart fixed, and uh, now I'm, I'm good to go. But for, for a lot of years there, I, I, I put it down to I think I've got – maybe 3 to 4% brain damage to yeah. what I had because um, sometimes I just get really tired and sometimes emotional and, and it definitely changed me as a person, the people close to me. like For uh, the better or for the worse? Um, I think, well, I'm a lot more sensitive now. Like yeah. back in the day I was like, oh, I don't give a shit, I'm going out, I'm doing this. So not, yeah. not that I was a prick but now mm. I'll ask my wife. My wife's never, ever – Stop me from buying anything. Like I hear stories. Oh, my missus won't let me buy. Or I'll hide this or that. She is like I've got. You know, I've bought and sold cars, bikes, BMXs. She's never. I'll literally spend two days trying to convince her, (laughs) but I don't have to. And she's like, for fuck's sake, just go and because I'm just sensitive. I think towards that. And then my creativity is uh, just went through the roof. Really? Um, Yeah, went up. Yeah, it was weird because all Isn't that amazing? like in our workshop, all that we've got designs, we've you know, like redoing offices. I just yeah, and people go, oh, who did that? I'm like, yeah, I, I did it, and I taught myself to use a few programs. So that's probably what I what I think I picked the good thing about it. Like yeah. I can be in a room and and you know, and I think that's really helped with my creativity in shows. And I just have a little bit of a knack which I I really enjoy, and that's helped with the business. And and yeah, so. So now we're at Movie World, we're at Sea World. Yeah. What's next? Um, don't know. Don't know. Are, you, are uh, you now like, okay, I made, I've ticked every box on that list. Yeah, well, that, that box got and ticked. that and list, well, then have you going to create a new list or are you sort of now, okay, let's let's sit on this for a little while. Yeah, you know. Enjoy life a bit. Yeah, I think it's it's at that now. Uh, my wife, she's actually got a couple of gyms, so that's kept her really busy mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll – I say to younger people, as long as whatever you're doing, you're doing it at 100%, you never know what's next because I didn't know that. You know, I filled in for a Krusty Demons announcer that lost his voice yeah. for one night and I was there seven years and toured the world with them, you know, as their lead <laughs> announcer. So you never know what's, what's going to happen. You know, like when I got picked by the Baywatch producers, I was the only Australian in the show but they didn't know that at the time but it was raining, it was cold. All the Americans were whinging that we shouldn't have to do a show if there was only 50 people in the crowd. But I'm just loving life. I'm living in San Diego, yeah, you know, yeah, skiing for a living. I'm thinking I've made it. And so I was like out of my skin jumping because I'm just loving to ski. Yeah. And, it, and it showed. And they said, we want that guy, you know, because I, because all the Americans are a bit. So I just, you know, you never know what's coming. I think uh, our relationship with Village Roadshow at the moment is is really good. I think they're in a really good place with their leadership and – and, you know, the entertainment department and everything's really good. We've got a long-term contract with them at both parks. Yeah. Uh, we perform at Wet n' Wild during January with our freestyle team. So that's really exciting. I think there's a lot more options in the park, you know, where we're discussing a new show at Movie World to come online. COVID's pushed that back a little bit, but mm-hmm. that'll be huge. There's massive plans for Movie World. Obviously, SeaWorld show will get, is into its second year, so it, it'll get redeveloped and changed a little bit. But we're going to be around the theme parks for a long time. Uh, the freestyle team 
is, you know, the calendar for next year is already filling up. Everyone's just standing by to what happens yeah, we'll with see the borders. When you're allowed to. Yep. But uh, but that'll that'll go again, and and that'll be great. Uh, really enjoying just you know we've done a lot of stuff for supercars with activations and. Mm-hmm. And different creative stuff, and we work closely with a, with a lot of supercar teams, which is which is exciting. That's more of a, a fun passion thing for me. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that, and so I'm just going to keep doing what we do. And, and you just never know what what is next. But uh, yeah, try and enjoy life a bit. I, I'm probably guilty of. You know, if you said to me, let's go have some fun, what do you want to do? I can't answer that straight away. I, yeah. I kind of, and it's. You feel bad because if you walked into our workshop, you're like, what do you mean you can't? You know, there's jet skis, there's yeah, boats. There's everything there's, you want. I can yeah, go exactly. and ski at SeaWorld today if I want. I can go yeah. drive drift utes at Movie World. I've owned eight drift cars for five years and I've never been drifting at Queensland Raceway with the boys. <laughs> like, it's just, it's weird. Like, So I think I need to really start enjoying enjoying things a lot I more. Start enjoying the spoils. But, That's what it's but all for about. me, sitting in the crowd at SeaWorld, Watching the show, not even skiing in the show, and and at Movie World, I just enjoy that. You know, it's the simple things with me. I don't need yeah. a lot around me. I, I, so your daughter's turning eighteen soon, yeah, yeah. as mine is. Too. It's yeah. pretty scary times. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, what advice do you give her? What does she know? What she wants to do? Does she, she know wants, what she wants to be? She wants to be a nurse. Yeah. So it, it was funny when she. She was having, not having a hard time at school. She's good at school, but she's like me. She's hands-on. Yeah. She's real world. That's why I never read a book because I wasn't interested in reading Anne of the Green Gables. I'm like, what Did, for? Didn't like, need to. How I got my A in English is I would talk to the girls and the guys that read the book, ask them a few questions, and then put my own scenario together and go, well, this is why so-and-so was challenged with their sexuality because I just get four people's views and they all point to one thing and I'm like, that's the one I'm going to write about. So <laughs> she's very hands-on. She yeah. she gets very frustrated with school and she's like, Dad, you put me, you know, you give me the show at SeaWorld and say, this is the disaster, fix it. And she goes, I'm on my feet. She goes, that's why I want to be a nurse. And I said, sweetie, you've just got to do what you've got to do. I said, I hate my job sometimes. Of course. Every single person does. But you've just got to get through that to get to your goal. And and that's really all you can tell her because, you know, it's it's so hard. It's a fine line to try and they've got to learn from themselves. Um, I remember when my sister passed away, I was just adamant, like I was going to bash the guy that was driving. I'm like, how yeah, dare you, you know, being a dickhead. Um, I was at the court case and when he got sentenced to 18 months in a minimal security <laughs> jail and, um, you know, like a fruit farm sort of thing, I stood up because he smiled at me when he walked out. And at that moment, I'm 16-year-old hothead sport guy. I jumped up and I actually kicked the front of the dock in front of me and a policeman was sit- sitting behind me and he grabbed me and pulled me back down, took me outside. He said, I'm just going to tell you, if you come across this guy, you know, in a nightclub, in a football match and you lay a hand on him, you'll go away for longer because it'll be premeditated revenge and blah, blah, blah. To the, now I realise he was smiling at me for, man, I'm really sorry, I've yeah. fucked your life. It wasn't a smart smile. It wasn't a smile. smirk as opposed to... Yeah, it no. wasn't. And then I grow up, friends of mine have drunk drive. Mm. You know, um, I've probably done it a couple of times many years ago. I haven't drunk since my stroke, but the difference was it's... I learned from myself, like yeah. any times I did it from, I'm not condoning it's wrong, but you know, it was like he People was make muck, mistakes. Yeah. And he was mucking around when he was drunk. It's like if you're late for school, don't come into school yelling yes. because you, you know, it's stupid. So that's the thing. So she's got to learn for herself. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot of things for myself and, you know, I've never taken hard drugs. You know, I've never taken drugs, but, you know, I've been around guys back in the day mm. that, you know, not close friends, but they're doing lines of cocaine. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I just don't want to do it. They're like, yes. oh, you want some? And I'm like, no. Mm. So for me, you can't shelter people of that much. Not. You need to put them in a bit of a situation and let them make their call. Like on our year 10 formal night, everyone lied to their parents about where they were staying so yeah. they could stay out all night. Well, our party got broken up. Me and my best mate and our two dates our parents all decided we could stay at my house. My mum and dad were home. They set up four mattresses in the lounge room. Yeah. Mum was going to cook us breakfast. We had a pool. And so it, the party got broken up. We ended up in an underpass at a school oval. Yeah. Started pouring rain. And I'm like, stuff this. I'm going home. And all these people are like, I can't. I said that I'm staying here. And 
So we're home in bed. Mum goes, what are you doing? It's quarter to two. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So all these other people's parents that were so strict, if they had to just let their kids go, yep. they would have been home at two o'clock. Instead, they're sleeping, hanging out in an underpass, pouring rain, yeah. doing nothing because they can't do anything, but they can't go home because they had to lie to their parents. You know what I mean? So, Man, if you can t- And we're exactly the same. I'm, I'd rather my kids tell me they're going to go out and have a beer. That's yep. fine, no problem. But yep. at the same time is I'm going to pick you up. That's right. That's and right. if any of your friends are in a situation where they're sick or they go and they've told their parents lies, I'll pick them up too. Got no issue. They're going to come back to my house, but I'm going to let you know right now I'm going to ring their parents and tell them they're safe. Yep. That's yep. it. As long as we're safe, as long as everyone's happy, that's fine. And I think it's a really good point because if you can bring that up in your kids, then they become better humans. Yeah, I think so. And, and one thing that I did for – I've got a unique relationship with friends in Canberra that when I was growing up, he was 20 years older than me and I was 10 years older than his sons. So I'm kind of friends with him. And as his sons got older, now I'm really good friends. Like he's 65, the sons are 35. So I'm closer to them now because I'm like the him of Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And when they were like 17, I actually went to them and I said, guys, if you ever get into trouble, you get whatever it is. Yep. does not matter. You and you can't ring your mum and dad. You ring me, I'll get you out of trouble and then I'll decide whether we tell your mum and dad or not. Yep. Or I'll decide to help you learn from it, cover it up, whatever we got to do. Whether it's a car accident, a minor anything one, you're market, anything. Yeah, yeah, you know, you get in a situation with a girl, whatever. And I've actually said that to my daughter. You just need to have someone, not your parents, yep. that you can, you know, and I've done that for a, a few young people, just said, hey, if you need to, you know, talk to someone and not your mum no, and dad. Well, exactly. And and she's she's pretty switched on. Like she, you know, she's obviously like doesn't tell us half the stuff. But yeah, she, <laughs> you know, and she jokes. She goes, "You know, everyone, dad, I can't do anything without yeah. someone knowing." And yeah. I'm like, "Well, did, well, don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid." You know. <laughs> so yeah. So no, no. Very... She wants to be a nurse, and that'll be exciting. And oh, it's good. That's and yeah, good. probably a good time to be a you know nurse. The well, world we're living in. No, I think, I think so. Um, so, the way I always love to finish my podcast with a few quick fire questions. What's your greatest achievement in life? Family. Who's the person that's had the most influence on your career? Oh, is there a time limit on these questions? Um, a quick fire, but that's okay. I can give you some time. I yeah, I don't even know. I I think honestly, Stuart, my best friend. Yeah. Because you know, after he died, I was still ringing him. Picking up the phone and wanting him to tell him stuff. Yeah. You know, so probably Stuart. Favourite food? Uh, chicken parmigiana. Favourite song? I'm not a big – I'm just a radio guy. I like Guns uh-huh. N' Roses. Sweet yeah. Child of Mine's really cool and any anything ACDC, obviously, with Krusty Demons, that the opening's on ACDC when you're the announcer yeah. and you're standing there and it's rocking out. So anything ACDC, I think. And when you say you're a radio bloke, are you like a talkback radio bloke or a music radio bloke? Um, my kids take the piss out of me because I listen to talkback radio. Well, I used to ta- I take the piss out of my dad because he listens to John Laws and I, I get in the car and it's playing and I'm like, this is why you're insane. I said, this shit is um, – but, yeah, I'm, I'm starting, starting to listen to podcasts now yep. a lot, but normally just radio. Like I'm not a big – you know, some people go, I never listen to the radio and just all about music, my playlist, mm. and I, I'm not that. So I'm either podcasts if they're interesting yeah, or um, the, the trouble with talkback, I, I get upset when the people cut – like John Laws does it all the time, cut someone off. Oh, you no. like, just finish and actually answer his question or yeah. find out if it's true or not. And then <laughs> you've got the radio, oh, bye-bye. And you're like, did you answer that guy's question? It was a good no. question. And that's why I get frustrated. I'm like, I wanted to know the answer to that question. So, Favourite place in the world? Gold Coast. It's uh, that yeah. was quick. Yeah, it's I've I've been lucky enough to be a lot of places, but uh, I used to think Canberra was, and then each time I go back there, I'm a little bit drawn back to the Gold Coast. But mate, we've got it all here. I've yeah. spent time in California, Florida, Texas, you know, Malaysia, New Zealand. I've toured all in New Zealand, Europe, and everywhere. Oh, I just love it. It's you know Harley riding up in the bush, uh, motorbike riding up in the bush. Yeah. You know, on the on the Honda trail bikes up there, or you. Um, road bike riding or you're surfing or you're wakeboarding or you're skiing. And, He's pretty you know, much got everything, isn't it, it? It has, except for the snow, but I'm not a big snow guy, so that's fine. And what's next for Gary personally? I just think to uh, just continue to grow as a person and work on myself to make myself a better person and uh, and really just start start to develop. We, we brought in a thing, this will probably sum it up, that – 
early after COVID we came in and, and one of my managers at SeaWorld helped me come up with it and it was called the Showtime Way. So and it's it's an acronym and it's got everything and he wrote it for me. And, yeah. And he came in and he said, I think this sums it up. And I, I read it and normally I'm very opinionated and I read it and I said, it is perfect. Every single word in there is exactly us because I was sick of everyone going, well, if Gary wants it that way, we'll do it that way. Oh, do you think Gary will like this? So I'm, we've really tried hard and it's only been a couple of months and it's already just proving Made that a difference in the, business. the guys in the team are going, no, 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 that's not the showtime way. So I look at, you know, Triple Eight and Penske and the supercar teams. It's not, oh, that's Roger's way that we tuck our shirts in. No, it's not. It's a Penske way. Yeah. Worldwide, it's a Penske way or it's a triple eight way. It's not Roland's way because I was just – everything was always on me. Oh, if Gary wants that, no, I don't want you to think like that. Let's think what does Showtime want? What does Showtime do? What and you do want we... people to say no. You want yeah, people uh, to argue And they're really you. good at that. Yeah. But it's now like we've had a few guys, if they do something or leave something out, they, they take them up and go, okay, Showtime way. And the guy goes, hmm, S, and they point out where they went wrong. Or, you know, you've let your team down. So it's a teamwork one. You haven't done that. And it's, that's yeah, pretty so cool, isn't it? that's something I want to grow because it's not Gary's way. Yeah. It's, and I put it down to we're all on a train and I'm just the lucky one that gets to drive the train. If I get off the train, does it stop? Probably not. Does it go as fast as it's going now? Maybe not. If you get off the train, does it stop? Most definitely not. Mm. If everyone gets off the train, it stops. I can't drive it by myself. So yeah, of for me, we're all on the same train. So let's know where the train's going, what the train's about and what the train's doing. No one's holding a gun to your head. If you don't like it, get off the train. But yeah. if you're on the train, you're going where we're going, you're on, sitting where we're sitting and we're on the train. And I'm just the lucky one that drives it at the moment. I love it. And what a great analogy. Gary, thanks so much for spending time with me today. Mate, as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. No, thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Thank you. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcasts and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.